The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and a rock and roll. And guess what? It's Friday. And the Brooklyn Brawler is here. That's right. Steve Lombardi spent over 30 years at WWE and pretty much did every job in the company, in the ring, behind the scenes, developing talent, everything in between. He's probably one of the best known, uh, quote unquote, enhancement guys in the business. But like I said, he's so much more than that. Brawler evaluated and worked with brand new talent. And of course, uh, over the years, he worked with every name wrestler that came through, every main event wrestler that came through. He was the guy that Vince McMahon put to have uh, first matches with some of his top prospects including The Rock, John Cena, Owen Hart, Bret Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Mark Henry. He spent two years traveling with Hulk Hogan as well. They became really good friends. He's going to tell us all about that. He also wrestled the Ultimate Warrior 47 consecutive nights. That's right. Brawler's got amazing stories. He's telling them right here on Talk is Jericho. The bar fight in a biker bar with Roddy Piper. Uh, The time Brawler took Andre the Giant home to meet his mother. And you won't believe the ribs he pulled on Jake the Snake's snakes. And with Jake the Snake's snakes he was there for the first wrestlemania he was there with the iron sheik traveling on the road carrie von eric traveling on the road so many brooklyn brawler stories on the way if you like 80s and 90s wwe brawler is the guy to tell you all the tales you've been waiting to hear all right so uh here we are at the uh beautiful home of steve lombardi brooklyn brawler and man i gotta say first of all you just finished up a 32 year run with the WWE, that's got to be a record. Thirty-two years. I challenge anybody to break that record. I must have been. I must have done something right, Chris. How do you last thirty-two years in one place? Well, that's I mean, who else is, is Finkel? I guess Howard Finkel. Yeah, well, Finkel never spent time in the ring. You no, know? I understand. But if you're talking about an actual employee of yeah, the was, WWE, it's yeah. Howard. It's you. Yeah. I mean, how long has Bruno been there for? Maybe twenty or something like that. So I mean, that that is incredible. And, and when you were when you were working there, I think part of your longevity is you could do so many different things. Oh yeah, which so, is the secret to the business is, is is being kind of a jack of all trades, right? right? Right. So what else did you do besides wrestling in the ring, which everyone knows? We'll talk a lot about that. But you were doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes. I did a lot of stuff behind the scenes. I did like home videos. I worked in a pre-tape room. You know, I bust, I was bothering you to come in there a bunch of times. And I remember yeah. one time I got mad at you because you were wearing a watch. Remember yeah. that? I was wearing a watch. You were wearing a watch. You said I'm not taking off my watch. I said you. Have 
got you just came into the you just came into the company and I said I said you got to take off the watch you go in it, but you took it off you why wouldn't why did, why, I don't why know was the watches so, allowed I don't think you wanted to be told what to do oh probably you're you right know, you know but why, why couldn't I wear a watch was that one of the rules remember. I don't remember the okay. reason but I just remember this watch kind of thing well you know how I was a pain in the neck I I was but, always like do this could you plug this could you do that so basically I did like the home video stuff I did the international plugs I did uh, I did radio plugs I all these shows that you go on overseas I was plugging all that and then I was doing a lot of cold opens where I would shoot them and I would shoot them all in the back. I love the, I love the cold opens because I watched the pay per views in the front. I said I shot that, I shot this, I shot that. But then I sent it to the studio and I realized all the studio people I show Vince and go, look what I got. But I shot the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, and, Vince course, had, right. and Vince has no idea that I did all that stuff. But but he must have had some idea because you know. did it for so many years. Yeah, right? well, I, 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 basically, I, what you do you're, you're producing all of these segments basically right. backstage, right? I spent uh, 17 years in the ring and 15 years working behind the scenes. You know what was interesting to me and the, the one thing I remember that you told me when I first came in was, you know, you'd come, you have a list of things I'm, I'm assuming that you have to do. Get Jericho to say this and get, you know, Rock to do this and get so-and-so and so-and-so. Right. And a couple times I kind of blew it off because like, yeah, I'll get to it later. And I remember one time you came up to me and said, listen, man, I'm not bugging you because for me, this is for you. This is, and if, if the word starts getting out that you don't want to do this stuff, it's bad for you. So if you don't want to do it, I don't give a shit. But I'm just telling you, you need to get in that room and do it if you're getting asked to. I'll never forget that because you're like, you know, he's right about that. Yeah, I know. And when I told you that, I said he's going to bite my, my head off. I said, I said, for me to tell you that, I thought you were going to bite my head off. But I realized I didn't want to bury you. Mm-hmm. Said, Why didn't you get Jericho? Why didn't you get Jericho? Why didn't you get Jericho? I didn't want to say Jericho don't want to do anything. Right. You know what I mean? So, but you were professional enough. To get it, but there was a kind of a. Um, it was. I mean, it's funny that I was like that because in WCW, that's how I started learning how to do promos. Would be going to like the interview box, and guys like you know Luger wouldn't show up because he wanted to go to the gym instead. And you know that's how you learn how to do promos is in the back room when there's no pressure. It's just it's just you there, and that's how you kind of learn. Okay, we're coming to this town, or we're going to do this. Was there guys certain guys that were easier to work with than others as far as that goes? Well, uh, you know, Miz tells me I always tell him that it would, you know I would just kiss at his butt, but you know, Miz was easy. Cena was always the one to come right in. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say to people that wouldn't come in because I don't really want to say bad things about people. <laughs> yeah, there yeah. was a couple of people that thought that they they were they were above that. I used to say to them, it's a way to get exposure without taking bumps. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Think about it. Sure, you, I could get your face in every every country. And you don't have to take one bump. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's insane. You know, it's something that Sean told me. He goes, yeah, what am I going to complain about getting more TV time? And he's like, he's right. Like, the more time you can get on camera, the better it, better it is. You know, especially when you were back there because you'd seen and done it all. You know, you, you knew all the guys when they came in. And, and was there certain guys when you first saw them that you knew they'd be stars with all your experience that you had? Absolutely. Cena. I remember Cena. Uh, Cena came in the room and uh, he didn't come in the room. He was just standing around. He had a mohawk. He called himself the prototype. And I mean, he was just standing in the back. And, and I said, I said, why don't you come in here and just cut a promo? I heard you can talk. And then he started doing this this interview. And then he did it in reverse. Mm-hmm. And then he, he, he like you know like rewind kind of yes he would thing. he would say something and then let me say let me say it again and then do the promo and, uh, again. and Cena would Cena would you know he's gonna go to me oh yo, I don't remember any of that yeah, yeah. I went into Vince's room I said Vince we got a ringer he goes really hmm. and then uh, and then I he said take him off the dark match and put him on SmackDown. Hmm. Yeah, but you know Cena, he's gonna yeah, sure, you know, sure. You know, it's, but but from your influence, Vince listened to that and, and brought him a in? couple of times. I, I put I put him over. I put MVP over. I put uh, Kennedy over one time because mm-hmm. Kennedy came in and he had some good good mm-hmm. uh, talent. 
But, you know, he didn't work out, obviously. But uh, but at the start, he did, though. He at did. first, he kind of took the world by storm. One, one time I told him to do something, and I told him, don't you dare tell anybody I told you to do this. What, what, was, that, what was that catchphrase he used? Oh, he would say, Mr. Kennedy. Yeah, I said, say, Mr. And then put the microphone to the audience and let the audience say Kennedy. Mm-hmm. I says, they're going to go. They're going to they're gonna do it. But I never told you that because, of course, I can't be creative. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can't be creative. As soon as he did that, it got over. The whole audience said, Kennedy! Uh-huh. And then he came back. He says, you were right. Right, right, right. I mean, it, but it's like I was saying, it's, it's funny because you have all this experience, you know, and sometimes I think people forget that, that, you know, you've, you've been around, you've seen that sort of stuff. They before. don't get it. They think I have my eyes closed and my ears, or my ears clogged. I mean, I, I listen to everything. I got so much experience that people are offering me money now to do seminars. Mm. They want me to do seminars and teach them the ins and outs of promos and, and, and stuff like that, which I got a lot of insight with, mm-hmm. but nobody even realizes it. I go to all these indies now and I can spot talent in every person. And I can see who who has it and who doesn't have it, but they'll never listen to me. You know. Well, maybe now they might. Because here's the thing too: it's, it's almost like you, you mentioned earlier, like when you leave the WWE, you realize there's a whole world out there because like independent wrestling is is very big right now. I mean, as far as, like you said, in the seminars and, and the kind of behind-the-scenes things, people are starving for that sort of stuff. I mean, independent wrestling, I never even realized it. When I finally parted ways with WWE, I said to myself, wow, no more planes, no more traveling, no more this, no more that. Then the phone starts ringing. Then my my good friends Rob and Matty Rock in, uh, in Brooklyn call me up. They go, Brooklyn wants you everywhere. Brooklyn wants you everywhere. So I say, okay, I'll do one show in Brooklyn. I work with this guy, uh, Eric Jaden. He's a great worker. He was really a great guy. Shout out to you, Eric. You're, you're a great worker. <laughs> Shout put, out to Eric. I'm putting Eric over. <laughs> but I, I got I to admit, after that... Everything mushroomed. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to Duluth, Minnesota. I'm going to Toronto. I'm going to Chicago. I'm going to I'm going to all these different places. Now I'm saying to myself, I'm still taking planes every week. <laughs> I know you're taking bumps again too, I'll, right? I'll, yeah, well, I'll tell you bumps when I'm walking and talking a lot. I just worked with <laughs> I just worked with Lawler about three or four days ago. That was yeah. that was fun as can be. But would you could you imagine they cheered me and booed him? Really? Yeah, because we were in New York. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this. Let's talk about because I remember you talking about the time of Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Brawler gimmick, which. It, it was a great gimmick, uh, especially given to you, because I remember watching WWE back in the early days of the expansion when there was a lot of like enhancement guys, and Steve Lombardi was always one of those oh, yeah. guys. But you always had a personality and almost almost got a push for being a quote-unquote job guy. Like You were the ones that had name value. Yeah, but for some reason, I'm like the most famous, they say job guy, enhancement guy, whatever you want to call whatever it. Whatever the word is, yeah. Uh, but I always try to get a little bit creative. Like when I first got in the company, I, I used to put on the, on the, uh, on my, on the, my trunks in the back, no job is too big. <laughs> I'm coming up. I, I started doing stuff like that. I remember Savage came up and he goes, oh, brother, that's a great idea, brother. I like what you're doing. You know what I mean? I was like, uh, I was like, wow, man. Savage just told me that what I'm doing is great. <laughs> I started doing that kind of stuff. And, I, and I'll never forget. I was sitting on a box in the hallway with Razor Ramon, and all these new guys were coming in. And he'll tell you the story if you ever see him again. He go, and, and they're all coming in, and everybody's getting paranoid. Oh, he's going to take my spot. He's going to take my spot. He's going to take my spot. And then Razor, Razor goes, Brooklyn Brawler turned to me and said, hey, just more guys for me to put over. But if they don't get over, they'll be gone. So I'm glad there's new guys coming in. But everybody else is worried about the spots. Right, you know that, what I mean? You embrace that was your that oh, was your responsibility. Yeah, to get the guys over. You know, because I always say this to a lot of the young guys. Being in the WWE or any wrestling company is like being on a good football team. 
you've got the star quarterback, you got the guys, you know, the wide receivers, and then you got all the other guys that have to play their role. If they don't, the team will lose. Even if you're on the field for one play and you do your job, the team will win. You had a very important role doing that, kind of being the quote-unquote enhancement guy in a lot of ways. I thought so, but in, in a, back in my, in my day, it was like all the big guys, like Hogan. You know what the funniest thing about being an enhancement guy was? I was I was doing TV every single every single month in Allentown, Pennsylvania, Reading, Pennsylvania, and I was like working with Orndorff, and then like an hour later, I would work with Cheek, and then an hour later, I would work with Piper, and then all of a sudden, Hogan comes into the territory. Hogan takes a liking to me and, and tells Vince he wants me with him everywhere. Really? Yeah. So I traveled with Hogan for two years, stood at his house. All of a sudden, from a, from a job guy, doing jobs for all these guys, I'm on Lear Jets, limousines. <laughs> we're going to the love boat. We're doing this. We're doing that. I said, oh, my God. I was getting heat. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I, with I, the I, top guys, right? Yeah, I was getting heat. So... Why did, why did Hogan take a liking to you? You just got along? Well, I was marking out for him because he just got out for the Rocky movie. Mm-hmm. And he came in, and I'm like, and I'm going, man, you, you're bigger than life. You're this, you're that. He goes, brother, you know, stop marking out. He goes, and, and he, obviously, he must have liked that. Like hanging around yeah, with He likes yeah. getting put, put over. Yeah. And he likes to be one of the driver, actually. <laughs> we, we would do 100 miles an hour on the highway. We'd get stopped. I thought I was going to get a ticket. As soon as they see him, all they would want is an autograph. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Because he was on Sports Illustrated, most recognizable uh, sports figure in the world at the time. I mean, he was the man at the time. Talk about how popular Hogan was in 86, 87. Because people forget. People will never know the pop that Hogan used to get when he used to come out. Mm-hmm. It was unreal. I mean, we've had the Austin pops. We had the Rock pops. We had the Hogan pops. If I had to compare all the pops, I think Hogan... In the early 80s, 85, 86, whatever it was, was one of the biggest pops ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was like a cartoon character. Right, like a larger-than-life superhero sort yeah. of thing, right? I remember he was on a Tonight Show with uh, Joan Rivers, rest of soul, and uh, and uh, he, he did a deal where he pretended to kiss her, and then she fainted, and he had to go to commercial, and he just turned to he just turned to the screen, and he goes, we'll be back right after these messages, brother. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he was like, right on cue, right on cue, yeah, yeah, everything, yeah. man. That was, he was a great guy. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Talk is Jericho. Well, talk about this, though. Um, when you first came into the WWE, was about 83? Around there, yeah. So it's before the national expansion. Right. So how? when did you start to realize that something was happening where this was going to become, you know, bigger than anything had ever been in the wrestling business? It was the Northeast Territory. They were just like running uh, Buffalo, Syracuse. We were going as far as Maryland. Nobody was flying. Mm-hmm. And then once they did that Saturday night main event... That was like the first indication that we were going to go to other places. And I'll, I'll never forget, the first plane ticket I got was to Pittsburgh from New York. And that was like huge. That was like a real big deal, you know what I mean? And in those days, it was crazy. It was before all this crazy you know, stuff on the airlines now. Like, like if, uh, if this guy can't make it, he just hands you your plane ticket. And you, you can use somebody else's plane Oh, ticket. have someone else's name on it? Yeah, you, it was different back then. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. Before, before 9-11. You know, yeah. Before, I remember you used to be able to get to the flight maybe 15 minutes before it took off. Oh, yeah. You just walk on the plane yeah. like with 10 minutes to go. Yeah, now everything's crazy. Everything's yeah. 
for like, sure. Uh, you know what I mean? I got all this TSA check. You yeah, know, hour before, take your shoes yeah. off, all that other stuff, yeah. right? So you got your first plane ticket to Pittsburgh. Yeah. And then, and then, because basically the, the, the first mania was 85. Being in the company, what did you think about the whole WrestleMania thing? The WrestleMania, the first WrestleMania, I think was a big risk for the company because I, I, I'm not going to speak for Vince, but what I've read, he didn't know if it was going to Sure, yeah. It, it, it was always going to fly. You know what I mean? So, it, But after that flu, that's the day I met Billy Crystal, Danny DeVito, Liberace. I shook his hand that day. I mean, yeah, I remember that big piano ring he had. I mean, <laughs> it, it was awesome, man. And then it was like magic. It was like magic. Were you on that WrestleMania? No. Okay. WrestleMania 3 at the Pontiac Silverdome, which is about 30 minutes or 40 minutes from here. From here yeah. I wrestled the opening match with Paul, with, uh, Paul Roma. And I can honestly say I was the first wrestler to go to be in the ring at the Pontiac Silverdome in front of ninety three thousand people. <laughs> I think that's still the record today. I think maybe this year in Dallas might have beaten it, but really? it's, other than that, it was the record. Right. They, so, what, what did you think of that? I mean, obviously the biggest crowd you've ever been in front of. It was awesome. I think the bigger the crowd the more alone you feel in the ring. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like when we used to wrestle like in Poughkeepsie in a small, a small crowd, you feel more like uh, close to the audience. But when it's so big like that, it's almost like you're alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Do you ever get that, that feeling like that? I always find when you work in a stadium, it's a lot harder because the, the crowd is like just one big, massive entity. Yeah. You don't see faces. You just see a surging mass of humanity. Right. And it's right. hard to really get the reactions because... They they tend to go up in a stadium rather than into the ring. Right, right. So you'd be like, man, they're, they're making any noise at all? Like, does it, do I suck? Like, what's going on here? You right. Know? And the coolest thing about my career, which I like, is all the first matches I had. Mm. I oh, had, right, right, right. I had the Rock's first match. I had Owen Hart's first match. I had Bret Hart's first match. I had Ricky Steamboat's first match. I had Mark Henry's first match. Ultimate Warrior. I wrestled him forty seven consecutive days in a row, and he knocked me out twice. <laughs> I'm telling you, I was telling his wife that story, uh-huh. and. Um, I guess they put all these guys with me. If they don't kill me, they'll be okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Then we'll give them the push. Well, tell us about some of them, like more specifically. Like you mentioned The Rock. How did that go about? Okay, The Rock comes in. I, I knew The Rock when he was a little kid. When he, I knew The Rock when he was skinny with an afro in the dressing room when Rocky Johnson was here. Mm-hmm. And I had Rocky Johnson's first match at WWE, too. <laughs> that's, that's what's weird because yeah. Rock always reminds me of that. Yeah. And um, I looked at him. When I first looked at him, I said, oh, he's a jock. You know what I mean? He's a football player. A meathead, yeah. I don't think he's gonna I don't think he's gonna make it and this and that. So he's a, so it was planned that I would have his first match. So um I said, Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do this? Can you do that? He says, Yeah, 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 yeah. But then in this book he writes, I went in the corner and I took a napkin and I wrote every little spot he said down, you know, the double leapfrogs and all mm-hmm. this. He hit every single thing on the money. He had everything on the money. And then he gets a contract. Then we go out to dinner. And then he's telling me I'm not happy. Hmm. I said, shut your mouth. What wasn't he happy about? He didn't like the figure. Oh, okay, gotcha. And the figure was a good figure. Mm Mm-hmm. He goes, I'm not happy. I go, what? How can you not be happy? You have $7 to your name. <laughs> he sent me a plaque upstairs. I, got, I had $7 to my name when I got into business, and I owe, owe, owe it all to you. I want you to look at that before you go. Wow. It, I, I'm telling you, you're going to see my, my picture room upstairs. You're going to freak. I'd love to see it, yeah. It's got everybody. Were you given any directives when you go out there with Rock by, by the agent of the match or by Pat or anybody? No. It was just like... Uh, it was just like to see what he's got. Mm-hmm. I put the match together myself. And as, you know, and, and, and people might be thinking, "Oh, you know, the, the Rock would have made it without you or with you." But the point is, in that day, under that microscope, if you went out there and sandbagged him or put together a shitty match, or if it didn't work out, 
he could have been let go. We've seen that happen uh, before. You know, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure he would still be the big movie star that he is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He wrestled Candido the day after that. Gotcha. You know what I mean? I'm, I, I can't take credit for his career, but you can it. take credit for that day making him look good and helping him get through that match with a thumbs up. He just put me over on Twitter about uh, a week ago. Mm-hmm. He says the WWE legend. That I had, I had my very first match with. He goes, words can never say enough, or something like that. He mm-hmm. said, "He said, I do. That was pretty cool. That's there. very cool. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the legit top biggest n- names in the business." Yeah. So he tweeted that out, and then right after that, I see J Lo kissing his butt right after that. And he tweeted <laughs> that. I said, oh, man, "That's pretty cool. I'm right, I'm right above, I'm right below J Lo." And then by the transit of property, you now know J Lo. <laughs> a little bit co- co- coincidentally, it was the day that he was voted the number one paid uh, oh, yeah, actor yeah. in Hollywood. You know what I mean? Yeah. So let's kiss his butt. <laughs> you know what I mean? So tell me a little bit about Owen Hart, obviously. Oh, um, I loved Owen. Mm-hmm. I loved Owen. Owen, I wrestled Owen Hart probably 50 times, at mm-hmm. least 50 times as the Blue Blazer, as Owen. And uh, I always used to love his stuff, man. I used to love, like, he used to take his arm and he used to jump up and then he used to do that flip. The thing. bum flip, we yeah, call it, yeah. thing on a flip that he used to hip toss me. And he I jumped always... to the top, land on his ass, yeah. do a flip over and hip toss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then he would, I always trust him with, like, the Frankenstein move. And I always trust him with the belly to bellies. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just like working with him because he could do anything in the ring. But you're a good base for him as well, then, if you're taking all that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was always comfortable. Mm-hmm. Always comfortable. I was always, when a guy could do something really well, I'll be there for him. Mm-hmm. I'll be there with And then the Blue Blazer comes. Up. I always I, I like the blue blazer, but I like the facial expression with Owen Hart better. Right. You know what I mean? I think it takes something away from the talent. Mm-hmm. He had such a great. Uh, I'm not going to say com- expressive face. Yeah. You know, as a heel or a baby face. A little bit of a river, too. Oh, <laughs> yeah? You know, he got any Owen Hart ribs? Oh, my God. <laughs> Owen Hart ribs. You know, he used to be the smoke bombs in the room, close the door. <laughs> How about a Marty Jannetty rib? He used to stand by the, uh, he used to stand by the, uh, what do you call that, the circuit breakers for all the, all the yes, lights. Yes, box. Right he, waits for, he waits for the wrestlers to do a high spot, and he's just the, the lights in the whole building. <laughs> One time, one time, Marty Jannetty's in the building. We had Jake the Snake Roberts there, so they, they transported about a thousand rats in this giant fish tank. <laughs> no, you mean actual rodents? Ro- yeah, yeah, rodents live, live. So Marty Jannetty's like, uh, "Give me a little sm- snicker. I'm in the room, guilty by association." He tilts the he tilts the thing over and lets all the rats loose in the whole building. The company gets like a sixteen thousand dollar extermination bill. Where the hell did he get a thousand rats from? Not a, it was, I'm exaggerating. Maybe fifty, a hundred. Where, where did he get a bunch of rats? No, they from? were all in the. They were all in the thing to feed the Jake snake as, as oh, we travel. Oh, I see. Yeah, they would give it to the snake, and the snake would strangle it and then swallow it. So they transported the rats. Gotcha. And Owen thought that the rats would be cool running all around the building. I don't think the building was too happy about. Not Owen, Marty Janetti did. Right, right, right. Marty right. Janetti. But uh, I don't think the building was too happy about that. <laughs> Unbelievable. And then. You, but then you mentioned Brett as well. Uh, you said your first match with Brett. I had a first match with Brett. That was in Cincinnati Gardens, and uh, Brett was very technically sound. Mm-hmm. But in those days, like they looked at your size because he comes in, a, he comes in a company, and they got Hogan. I mean, Savage was an exception because he wasn't a really big. Savage guy. was also still muscled up to all hell. Yeah, right? but Brett was like an average-looking kid with a baseball cap on backwards. You know what I mean? He was just mm-hmm. like this. But, but as soon as he got in the ring with him, you knew he was technically sound. Right. Everything he did, he did well. So I think the, I think the. Uh, that uh, Brett could credit his success to the boys putting him over all the time, and everybody wanted to work with him. Mm-hmm. You know, because I mean, you're you're good friends with Brett too. You've worked with him many, yeah, many ne- times. N- no, never worked with Brett. You never worked never with got him. the chance. Yeah. Really, hey, let me, or Owen either. Let me quiz you. The first, the only time I was ever in the ring with you was when. 
there was was it some kind of a thing with uh, was Triple H involved or oh, were we doing some kind like of that. angle with Triple H? Uh, what was it? It was a, it was a handicap match. It was me and Kai and Tai against Triple H. <laughs> he gives the pedigree to each of Kai and Tai. Right when he gets me in it, you come in, you bulldog him. I pin him for the one two three. <laughs> I beat Triple H on SmackDown because of you. Then you go out and steal his limousine and say you said to the limousine driver you said. Uh, I think Triple H is a little upset right now. He told me to take his limo. He just got beat by the Brooklyn <laughs> Brawler. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do now. Well, I do. Uh, thank I, you. I can even see the, the the arena in my head, but I can't remember where it, it was. was. In Florida somewhere. It's amazing when you when you've worked as long as, as both of us have, and you hear certain moments like that that yeah. you can hardly remember, where yeah. other people will never forget it. Oh, you know? I, I would never forget that. I'd be Triple H. Or, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he wants to forget it. Yeah. <laughs> but tell us a little bit more about the Warrior. You said you worked with him fifty times. Yeah, Warrior was times. green, very green in the beginning. Mm-hmm. He was very green in the beginning, and uh, and uh, he knocked me out twice. He knocked me out with uh, where I would get, just get him a simple headlock, head, uh, hammerlock, and then he would give me an elbow to the head, and then, <laughs> you know, to the yeah, temple. Yeah. yeah. But uh, he wasn't coming along. I mean, he never was the greatest worker, but he was a great draw. Mm-hmm. He would blow up just running to the ring. Right. And as soon as he got to the ring, he'd be out of breath. <laughs> and then I, the whole deal was I, I hit him with a tackle. I, I hit him with a tackle. I take the bump. Hit him with a tackle. I take a bump. I hit him in the back. He starts hulking up, shaking the ropes, this and that. And then he picks me up, and then he drops me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But he, people connected with him. He was so charismatic in that character. Yeah, the character, the looks, the muscles, right. everything about him. I so just, over, yeah. I love him to death. It's like even on his DVD, I could not knock him. Mm-hmm. I got, so when we had that Hall of Fame where he unfortunately passed after that. The next day, yeah, basically, yeah. He, I, I went into the room and I said to him, I said, um, I, I said, Jim. He started crying. He started bawling. Hmm. He, he hugged me. He says to me, I was thinking about you. He goes, he goes, everything you did for me, you took all my abuse. He goes, and you better be, you better plan on standing up at the Hall of Fame because I'm going to call you out and I'm going to say this one story. And I didn't want it, I didn't want him to say the story that he was going to say. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if I should say it right now because then I'm going to be, be, be stooging myself out. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to say it. Say it. I'm going to say it. Yeah. Okay. The office told me we're going to tell, we're going to, we're going to tell Warrior that you're going over. To test his attitude. Mm. Now, I did not want him. I liked him so much. I took him to the side and I said, Warrior, they're testing your attitude. Just say yes. Wow. Now, that's a secret between me and Dana. Right. I promised Dana I would never say, Dana, it's out now. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, that shows what kind of a guy you are, though. No, but is that a good. But I told Warrior, if you say that, I'm presently working for the company. How is that going to look to the company? Like, I didn't keep the word of the company. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I was a better human being. Yeah, I was and, a better human being, and you were helping out a friend of yours. Yeah, you know, you but know? was it was it the right thing or was it the wrong thing? If you did, you legitimately like him. I like, yeah, but is it was it the, was it the if, right? Did I really test his? If 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 you liked him, in my opinion, it was the right thing to do. If you didn't like him, you didn't give a shit about him. Whatever he does, he does. That's the way I would look at. But it. was it good for his career? I think obviously it was. Oh, well, if he if he said no, I'm not doing a job for him. They would have said he's got a shitty attitude. Let's not maybe. Well, but then we never would have had the Ultimate Warrior in the WWE. Okay, you know what so I mean? now I made the Warrior and the Rock. <laughs> That's well, what I'm saying. What else now? is there? You know what I mean? No, I love I love Jim. He was a, he was a great guy, and I got I actually got a picture with him the day before he passed, mm. which I, I, I that crushed me, man. It really did. But it was you know it's it's interesting how things work out because it was a horrible thing. But imagine had it happened a week before, he actually had that weekend to kind of reconnect with all his old friends and smooth over all the the shit from the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know it's. I'm, I'm, you know, would imagine it's probably at least he got that, which was probably kind of nice. Let me tell you a good Piper story. You want a Piper story? Absolutely. Okay, Another this, one of our fallen okay. brothers. Me. Oh man, I, I keep forgetting. Yeah. I lost him, man. Yeah. Me and Roddy Piper. I'm traveling with him. We're in Texas. Roddy Piper goes, 
Let's go have a drink. Let's go have a drink. He, he points at a bar that has like a hundred motorcycles lined up in the front. And I said, Roddy, we've been better not going there because if we go in there, they're going to be all rowdy. They're going to want to fight us because they're going to know you from TV and possibly me from TV. And they're going to be they're, they're going to want to fight. Roddy goes, now we are going in. So we're going in. We go in the bar. The, the, the Texas House. You ever watch Animal House? Like when they walk in that bar and then everybody just stops. Yeah. It, it was like that. So we walk in the bar. Roddy Piper walks up to the to the bar uh, to the bar. He goes, two shots of Jack Daniels. This big leather leather three hundred pound guy with a, one of them leather caps from the motorcycle with a head like a gasoline can walks walks up to us and he walks up to Roddy's shot. He takes Roddy's shot off the bar, puts it in his mouth. He goggles it. He spits it back. He puts it back on the bar. What do you think Roddy did? What do you do? He took the shot, shot it down, and said, "Glad to know you." <laughs> the guy laughed his ass off, and then drinks were flying all over the bar. Roddy disengaged the whole thing, but he didn't do it to disengage it. He thought it. He don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. He just don't give a shit. I'm telling you. The stories are unbelievable. <laughs> Did you travel with Roddy? I traveled with Roddy for uh, two or three tours. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And, and when you travel with him two or three tours, that's like two or three years. <laughs> Taking you, years you, off your life. What sleep? Sleep. You know what I mean? But, I, you know, a lot, a lot of things you can't say, too. You know what I no, mean? No, but, but the, the, there was a certain, um, uh, not in that mindset or attitude, but in the 80s, you guys were hardcore. Traveling 250 days a year, 300 days a year, still hanging out, drinking, all that stuff. Chief J. Strongbow used to always say the inmates ran the asylum back then. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. I always wanted to get over all the boys. I always wanted to jump in with some of the guys and this and that. You know what I mean? Like I, I jumped in with the Sheik and, and Kerry Von Eric. One time I was in the car with the Sheik and Kerry Von Eric. I've got a moonroof with a Cadillac. Kerry's in the front. Sheik's in the back. He's just, you know, he loved, I want my beer. You know, Iron Sheik. Sheik, yeah. Kerry Von Eric goes, bear with me. This is how I relax. He climbs out of the moonroof, hooks his foot onto the moonroof, and he's on the, the hood of the car with his with his hand underneath his chin like this. And he says, keep this. As you're driving? As I'm driving on the highway. But I'm not saying nothing because I'm with all these great top guys. I'm a young kid. You know what I mean? But I'm saying to myself deep inside, I'm going to go to jail, not him. Right. I mean, that's what he did. He climbed out he of the climbed moving out car. Of the, Holy shit! He hooked his foot, and he only had, he had one prosthesis. Right. He hooked his. his I guess he had half a foot, foot. Yeah. And then he and he, he put his chin. He put his hand under his chin on the hood like that. He said it relaxed him as we're on the highway doing sixty-five miles an hour. Gosh. I mean, I'm saying to myself, what the hell? Yeah. One time I'm driving with Sheik in the car. No, I'm not with Sheik. With Seeker in the car. Seeker's drinking beer. He goes, you don't drink beer. You drive. I'll drink the beer. I tell Seeker, I go, Seeker, put the beer down. We're gonna pass a cop car right now. He takes an empty beer can and he throws it to the cop car. By the luck of God, the you know, like sometimes when you miss it and the, and the cop didn't see it at all, I'm saying to myself, I'm going to jail. Yeah. And I'm not, and I'm not guilty of anything. Right. I mean, Guilt by association. I'm telling you, it's unbelievable. That, but that was the mindset. Guys just out of their minds, right? How about this, Andre, uh, Andre the Giant? I'm yeah. in Battle Royal. He gives me the big foot. He splashes me. He's on top of me. Everybody jumps on top of him. I go, I'm dying now. Because just, just Andre alone would kill me. You're literally getting and crushed. I hear this little whisper in my ear. I got you, boss. <laughs> he put his elbows down and he protected me and he took all the weight off of Ooh. me. He took all the weight off of me and he helped me. He wow. liked me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He liked me so much that he wanted me to pick him up in the city and drive him to Poughkeepsie when we started doing TV in Poughkeepsie. Mm. And I said, Andre, could you do me a favor? Will you go and meet my mother? So I call my mother up. I go, hey, Ma, I got a friend that I'm bringing by the house. 
I said, uh, she goes, who is it? I go, oh, just a new wrestler, this and that. I brought Andre to my mother's house. <laughs> she freaked out because you've met Andre before, well, right? I, I never mean, did. You're kidding. He passed away in 94 or 93. Oh I never got the chance. Yeah, never he either chance. liked you or he hated you. Mm. He liked me. Yeah. Like like in those days, like the Rockers, they were crazy. He didn't like, he didn't like that. Sean and Marty, yeah, I didn't like oh. him. One time, uh, Eddie Gilbert, I was working with him, and, and he called a leapfrog spot in the ring, and, and I was green. I didn't know if I leapfrogged him or he leapfrogged me. <laughs> so we both leapfrogged and landed, looked at each other. He comes in the dressing room, he starts cursing me out like a, like a dog. Andre tells him to sit down and shut up. And then the next day, it was his birthday, and somebody had a big cake outside, and they, they knocked on the door. I went out there, and they said, this is for Eddie Gilbert. I walked up to Eddie Gilbert right in the dressing room, and I put the cake right in his face. <laughs> and then he got up to fight, and Andre goes, boss. Sit down. You deserve. Wow. Just like that. Andre stood up for me. But I, wow. I mean, I, well, why did I do that? I was like, it's like he disrespected me in front of everyone. Yeah. So I said, this cake's going right in his face. And I pushed right, the right, whole right. cake right in his face in front of all the boys. With Andre having your No, back, but though. I didn't know Andre. Yeah, sure, sure. I didn't know. He, legendary stories about Andre and his prowess, drinking prowess. Oh, my God. Did you ever go drinking with Andre? I went out drinking with Andre and Bobby Heenan. And then I go to the bathroom. I, back then, I was drinking rum and cokes. Right. So Andre tells the bartender, you know, secretly, put 151 in all his drinks. <laughs> and I, I don't know it, so I'm just guzzling. Mm. Now, you ever, get, you ever get so drunk where you're spinning and shit like that? You're room is spinning, yeah. Floor, and I'm sharing a room with Bobby Heenan. So I get up in the middle of the night, and I pee on Bobby Heenan. <laughs> now, Bobby Heenan's drunk, so he doesn't even know. So the next day, he thinks he pissed himself. But I told him, man. I just, I can't be a bad person. I can't. Uh... What did he say when you told me you pissed on him? He, Bobby was a funny kind of guy. Yeah. He, just didn't, he just didn't care. He goes, so, he, Bobby goes, I think I just pissed a bed. I said, Bobby, I'll be honest with you. I can't lie to you. I, I think I pissed on you. And that was me. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I just, I don't know why. I just can't be an evil person. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? Which is, once again, rare for being in this business for so long and still be as honest as you know, are. That's why. That's why maybe a lot. Of, I got stuck on. A lot, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Just... But let's talk about about the the uh, the kind of the transformation from Steve Lombardi, quote unquote, job guy, to Brooklyn Brawler, which was basically getting a push. Yeah. Because it wasn't. It, it was very rare for a, a guy that started off in that spot to get any sort of a, right. a gimmick or a push in 1986. Well, well, or what happened or eight. was Bobby was uh, Bobby had Terry Taylor, and he had Terry Taylor under his. Uh, at, he was Terry Taylor's manager. So mm -hmm. Every one of Bobby's guys were busy, and there was nobody for Terry to work with. So Bobby came up with the idea, let's turn Stephen Barty into Brooklyn Brawler, and then he could work with Terry Taylor and work an angle so we could keep all his guys busy. Mm -hmm. The funniest thing about that is I put a cap on. I still wore tights. I remember the first time I went to Madison Square Garden, and I walked in. All the fans were there. They thought I was a different person. <laughs> just, just with a leather cap. And a cigar. Yeah, just with a leather cap and a cigar. <laughs> the cigar I threw away because I did a... I went to uh, the New York Cancer Society with, you remember the Honeymooners? Yeah. You remember Trixie? Mm -hmm. I went to the New York Cancer Society with Trixie, and I walked in with a cigar in the Cancer Society, and I got, <laughs> and I got that Animal House stare again, and I just took the cigar, and I put it right in the trash can, and I do not use the cigar anymore. I mean, you don't walk in a Cancer Society Yeah, with a not a good move. It wasn't lit, but yeah, still. Yeah, not a good move. How was it work with Bobby Heenan? Oh, Bobby was great. Mm -hmm. He was, um, he goes, come outside. He goes, roll around in that dirt. I want you to be dirty. And meanwhile, my mom's going, we never dressed you that way. Why, why, why are you dirty like that? You're making Brooklyn look bad. I said, Ma, it's just a gimmick. Leave me alone. You know, because yeah, she, yeah, she took sure. it literally like I was making, making it look like she was a bad mother and I was a, <laughs> right. and I was a dirty kid. Yeah, with torn up jeans and yeah. a shirt. 
And you know what's funny? I told my wife way back then. I wouldn't do it. They didn't have ripped jeans back then. Mm-hmm. I said, so let's patent ripped denim. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine? Yeah, now it's oh the thing. God. That's the thing. So was that you said the Brooklyn Bar was that Bobby's gimmick or was that Vince's gimmick? Or who? I don't know who actually came up with it, but mm-hmm. I, I know Bobby was in on the whole deal because I think he came up with the name mm-hmm. Brooklyn Brawler. You must have been pretty excited about that. After oh my being... God, I was ecstatic because all of a sudden my pay went up. You know what I mean? And I, and I never forget Terry Taylor. I said I told my wife. I said our pay is going up. We're going to save more. Mm-hmm. I bought a house. Terry Taylor bought a Volvo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just because I show you where your priorities yeah. are in life. You know, That's right. Terry's going to get mad at me now, but he admits it. Mm-hmm. He admits it. I told him that before. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you were the brawler all the way to, even till now, yeah. but you had a couple other kind of gimmicks too, which were kind of interesting. Oh, yeah. I was kimchi with Kamala for a long time. That was you. That was me. I always wondered who that yeah, was, that the was masked me. guy. Yeah, and then I was the third doink. Oh, yeah. I met you actually. With, oh, you wore Tony the Doink outfit once. You I wore the, the Doink outfit, outfit once. But I also met you in Winnipeg oh, with Tony Candelo. There you have it. Yeah, there you have it. There you have it. He's the only promoter I know that would pay me and then want to borrow the money back at the end of the night. <laughs> and then I take all the, all the pain off, and then he knocks on my hotel room and he goes, I got the I got the media out here. Put the paint back on real quick. Yeah, but Tony, I'll put it on in two seconds. <laughs> yeah, right. I exactly. mean, a fun, a fun guy to work for, but uh, so if you were working for the WWE in the time at the time, how could you still go do indies? They would allow it back then. Okay, they didn't get real corporate and strict back then. So gotcha. if you got, I used to work for Kowalski every weekend, you know, and I used to work for uh, all different promotions. That was like extra extra money. That was great. So whenever something had to be done, they would call you up. We need a guy to be Camp Kamala's handler. Anything. I remember one time Vince said, if I send Lombardi at the top of the building to, to get a flag, he'd bring down two. You know what I mean? That's a funny thing. I never not, I never said no to anything they asked me to do, mm-hmm. which made me a jobber. Right. You know, because everybody else said no. I remember one time they wanted me to put over, now what's the proper word for a smaller person? I guess a little person. Okay. They wanted me to put over a little tiger. Remember a little tiger? I don't remember. Is it uh, that little tiger, Tokyo or whatever? So so Vince comes to the room. I need somebody to put over the little person. Every head went down and my hand went up. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying to myself, he has a savage mask on while he's while he's beating me. So I'm looking at it as I'm getting beat by savage. <laughs> so they wanted him to splash me. I got beat by girls. I got beat by by little people. I got beat. By, I don't. I didn't care. But isn't that the secret to the to the business of having longevity? I don't know because there was a lot of guys that were all, that also did that, like uh, Horowitz and guys like that, and they didn't have the longevity. I had. well, that's what I'm saying. You know, I always looked at it like if if, if we're uh, actors in a, in a in a movie, and it's a Steven Spielberg movie. And you're cast as the Brooklyn Brawler. And in the Brooklyn Brawl in the movie, Brooklyn Brawler gets beat up by uh, a little person woman with one leg. What are you going to do? Say no? You know what happens? You get fired and they bring in someone else to play the part. Yeah, but a lot of times now, if you say no your whole life, you, if you say no your whole career, they make you a producer. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's, it's all different. Right. The guys that do, you know, I did everything I was told, so mm-hmm. well, not Lombardi, not Lombardi. Mm-hmm. But the other guys who would always, you know, bitch. Mm-hmm. Got more of a position than I got. Yeah, it's, I guess. And, I'm not, and I'm not saying that the company did the wrong thing. Maybe they seen more merit in putting those people in those positions, but they have no idea. You know who's you know who actually sees my talent? The Indies. Mm. The Indies. Well, also your name value too. I bet you're almost like a cult hero on the Indies when you come. Oh, like a big baby face. I, yeah, I was a heel in WWE, and then I had my last match in my favorite arena in the whole world, the Barclays Center. Well, it was it was a six man tag. Were what you was there? this? Just like a year ago or something. 2012. It was like the first opening of the Barclays Center. The first show, yeah, first we ever show had right. in the Barclays Center, and Vince Vince goes. Uh, Corrado calls me up. And he goes, 
I don't know how they're going to pull this one off, <laughs> but they told you, though, you're going to be working at the Barclays Center, and he didn't tell me what we was doing. I said, I don't worry, I have my stuff. I carry my stuff anyway. Right. You got that's the, yeah, the, the I always number had my, one rule. I always had my, key, I always had my gear. Yeah. So I get, to the, I get to the Barclays Center. He goes, you're in a six-man. It's me, Del Rio, and Miz against 3MB. And I says, oh, I guess they're beating me. They go, <laughs> They said, "No, you're going over." <laughs> I said, "Oh my God!" And at first, I was going to do that big, that, that big ass bump thing, mm-hmm. and I did it on the mat. And, and uh, the guy they just hired back in Three MB, what's his name? Oh, it's like, uh, Jinder. Jinder. Jinder Mahal. He seen me do it, and I hit so stiff on the mat. He goes, "Well, maybe we'll change that." So, you know what I use now? I use the Boston Crab. Boston Crab. Boston Crab. A good finisher. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it close to yours. It's close yeah, to yeah. the Lion Tamer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm telling you, man. Did you get a good reaction in Brooklyn as the Brooklyn brawler? Oh, yeah. Brooklyn loves me. I'm going back to Brooklyn. <laughs> I'm going back to Brooklyn in October sometime. Well, let's talk about There's a, there's a, a famous story that I've never really heard. I heard you kind of tell a little bit. But the night in Madison Square Garden when you worked with Sean for the, for the World oh, Heavyweight Championship. Oh, this is a great story. Tell me, tell me the whole thing. Okay. There's a battle royal. I'm in the battle royal. Ken Shamrock was supposed to go over. Ken Shamrock got hurt in his match before the battle royal. He hurt his sternum and his, you know, his chest, his sternum. Mm-hmm. So Vince is like uh, working on papers. And this is a live event. This is a this is a lot where event. Vince is I, always and we were there. We go to the garden like every month back then. Right. So so Vince is looking at papers and all this, and they go in and they go, Vince, uh, Shamrock's hurt. He can't work in a battle royal. And he's got his glasses like, and he puts them to the tip of his nose, and he just looks up and he goes, Put over Brooklyn Brawl. He's local. Forgetting that he advertised the winner of the Battle Royal wrestles the world champion in the next Garden show. I, I, I knew it. I said, yes, sir. Yeah, don't say a word. I'm not saying a word. <laughs> I'm Smart not saying move. a word. That's a veteran. So, so then I go in there and I go, over and I go over in the Battle Royal and then I come back out of the ring and then I tell, and I tell the agents, I say, uh, it was Lanzer and Chief and all these guys. Well, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get that match. No way. No way. And the champion was uh, Bret Hart. Okay. So I... Uh, I said, oh, all I could do is ask Vince. I, I went into Vince. I said, Vince, I didn't even realize. <laughs> oh, I would have told you. I wouldn't have done it. Nah, you know, <laughs> no, I'm not going to bullshit. But I said, anybody would have did what I did. Win the match first. Worry goes, about it later. I, he goes, I go to him. You advertise the winner of the Battle Royal wrestles the world champion in the next card. And he looks at me and goes, you got your match. He went like that to me. Now we got to tell Brett. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, Brett was totally on board. But the problem with this was, in between the two garden shows, it was like two, two months before the garden show, was the Montreal screw job. Mm. Now, Sean screws Brett. Brett. Brett tells the story to this day. He says, I told Vince I won't put Sean over. But I was going. I wasn't going to kick out if I worked with you in the garden. I said, oh, and I would have I, I got in trouble for not throwing you off of me, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, so now, Sean in those days was a different Sean. Mm-hmm. You know so what I mean? That's kind of hard to deal with. So we got to break into Sean slowly now, you know, because now Sean's a champion. Sean's got all this thing with Brett now and all this. So uh, I forget which agent went up to Brett, uh, Sean and said. Uh, uh, this happened with the Battle Royal, and I looked at Sean, and I'm waiting for Sean. I'm not going to do it. I'm not doing it. I won't do it. I don't know. Am I allowed to curse like that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he, and Sean goes. Sean looks at me and goes, "Can you do a super kick? Can you leapfrog? Can you do this? Can you do that?" I said, "Oh my God! Y'all do anything you want." So he was into it. He was into it, 
and he made me look like a million bucks. See, but I, I, I don't see why anybody wouldn't be into it because this is like a perfect scenario, <laughs> especially if you went to the Garden the month before. You won the Battle Royal. So to have a match with, with a guy like you, you could do it in 30 seconds. Yeah, it's, like a a pushover. Squash, it's like a pushover to a top Or guy. you could do a good eight to ten minutes where it looks like you're going to win two or three times and then you pull off the, the fast. People would be going nuts for that. And the funny part about it was just the origination of DX. So China was out there and Triple H was out there. So like I, I, I do the thing with Sean where I rock him on his crotch on the ropes. He comes out, I close on him. I turn around, I punch Triple H off the apron. China comes in, she gives me a Frankenstein. It was like cool. Everything we, <laughs> everything we did. Yeah. It was so cool. Did, did the crowd react to it? Oh, yeah. They, yeah. they were with it. Did they think you were going to win? Sean couldn't have a bad match if he tried. Sure, 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 you sure. You know what I mean? So, uh, but what a night, though. Sean was kicking out like on two and three quarters. <laughs> you know what I mean? Were you on the were you the last match that night? Uh, no, but it was funny when when Undertaker walked into the into the uh, into the room and he seen the lineup on the wall and he sees me last in the main event. He goes, "What's this all about?" You know, because Undertaker right away is like, "What the hell?" <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. I talk about Undertaker. Walk up to Undertaker next time you see him and say, "Did Steve Lombardi fly a plane with you in it?" And watch what he'll tell you. <laughs> He's going to say, oh, he absolutely did. Well, what happened? There was like a prop plane with no door. We were doing like a double shot. And uh, we, were, we were all just like bullshitting. And, and then I went into, into the pilot. I go, can I sit on the co-pilot seat? And this and that. And he goes, sure. And the co-pilot goes and sits in the back. Not in the back. In one of the seats. And, and it's Undertaker, Kamala, a bunch of people in there. And then I'm, he goes to me, turn the wheel slowly. And I went like this. And the plane starts tilting. Undertaker's looking at me so mad. Then I pretend to hit the switches. Yeah, I start going like this. And it's just working. Undertaker goes like this. <laughs> he points at me and then he points back to the seat like get back here and to this day if you t- if you go up to him and you say did Steve Lombardi fly a plane with you in it he will never deny because I brought it up to him a bunch of times I mean I, I, come on that, that's awesome I no, flew a plane yeah with Undertaker in it with Undertaker and a bunch of the boys in it <laughs> this is a big year the Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. So after, like I said, the thirty-three years of doing this, was the WWE the first company that you ever worked for? Uh, let me see. Technically, I had my first match with Kurt Henning because when Kurt Henning came, when Kurt Henning came into uh, WWE, I knew Kurt when he looked like Richie Cunningham in a Happy Days. <laughs> he had freckles. You, did, you remember the first time you ever seen Kurt? <laughs> yeah. So they sent him away, and he went to Oregon. It was like the Northwest yeah, territory, Don Sandy Bar, and mm-hmm. all that place. So Kurt tells me. Fly down to Oregon. He goes, and I'll challenge anybody out of the audience. He goes, come to my house first. He goes, and we'll talk. He goes to me, all I want you to do is just grab a headlock and just hang on. How did you know him? Because he came in when I was doing jobs and gotcha, stuff. And he gotcha. came in for a short time. Gotcha. And Vince was like, we got to get this guy out of here because he's that good and he's not ready yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they sent him out there. It was Dynamite Kid there, Playboy Buddy Rose, Kurt Henning, uh, Billy Jack Haynes. That was the whole crew there. Sure, yeah, yeah. So Kurt tells, Kurt tells me, just grab a headlock and don't let go. That was a job within itself <laughs> because, you know, he, he, was, he was like a gazelle yeah. and then he, he, he pulls himself out of the ring. He pulls the barricades into the ring and, and then he gives <laughs> me a belly, then he gives me the belly, a belly to back uh, suplex and then he teases me for the next 20 years. <laughs> what tease you for? 
oh, you know, you, you grabbed the headlock and I just gave you a simple soup. <laughs> you know, Kurt, how he was. Yeah, Kurt, exactly. Kurt, Kurt was always you, like that. The, the, look, the Dennis the Menace. I got so many memories, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. They can never take them away from me. Mm-hmm. No one could ever take my memories away. Well, that's the thing. You worked with everybody, man. I worked with everyone, and I've had the greatest stories. I've, I mean, I've traveled with everyone. Mm-hmm. I traveled with Hogan for two years. Mm-hmm. I know his ins and outs. He stood in his house when he was married to Linda. And I know everything about him. He knows everything about me. He says to me, last time I seen him, which was a couple of years ago, he said to me, brother, if we did what we did back then, now we'd both be in jail. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know yeah. what I mean? Was, a lot more people would have seen it, too, with everyone having yeah, camera before, phones and stuff. You, you could speed before, and then they say, oh, it's Hulk Hogan. You know, can we have an autograph? Now that I would say, hey, Johnny, we got Hogan. You know what I mean? <laughs> now it's all different. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Let me, let me ask you this. You know, you're talking about kind of how you were a guy that, uh, as an enhancement guy, quote unquote, whatever it may yeah. be. Who were some of the other guys, your peers, that were, that were really good kind of job guys? That, that you think they should have been advanced? Yeah, I mean, because look, like you did, if, if you're talking about, I, I'm saying job guys with not being derogatory. You're not like getting, kinda, Not getting a push? Yeah, you're kind of like the biggest guy that you made it to the next level. Was there other guys that you felt were really good in that? In that I thought vein? Brady Boone was good, remember? Brady him? Boone. Brady Boone, I loved working with him. He had a little bit of a gimmick, Firecat, I think it yeah, was, or Battlecat or yeah, something. Yeah, they had no legs. But, he, but I remember he used to do that one thing where I used to throw him in, I used to take his stomach and push him up. And mm-hmm. he was so, so hot. Pancake, yeah. Take that, take that bump. I liked working with him. But you know what the funniest thing was? I went to Japan like four or five times, right? And then I got to wrestle Tinru. Did you know him? Tinru, yeah. I worked yeah. for Tinru for years. Okay. Yeah. I, I worked with Tinru in Japan and got response like you wouldn't believe. Mm. Then Tinru comes back to New York and they say, well, he worked with Tinru in Japan. Put him, put him with Tinru here. And all we heard was boring. <laughs> boring. Yeah. Same match. Yeah. Same everything. Different location. Well, that's the difference between being over or not. When you're over, like in Japan, Tenru's a, a god. You come here, no one knows who the hell he is. Right. Right? You know what I mean? So that gives you a different crowd reaction. How about uh, Haku? It's me and Rick Martel against Haku and his partner in Japan. Haku goes to me, come up to my face, give me two stiff chop right in the chest, and then I give you one, you take bump. Mm-hmm. I give him two, he gives you one to the temple and knocks me out. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? I don't know, if you ever been knocked out in the ring? <laughs> yeah. It feels like it's a long time. Yes. And then you wake up and then I'm like, oh my God. It's I, a weird feeling too to get yeah, knocked out. Yeah, it's like almost out. like a dizzy, like a, like a, like a, I don't know, okay, I don't know how to describe it. No, but it's, it, I always feel like it's a kind of a out of focus and then you yeah, feel, yeah. yeah you feel like a long again. time pass, but it's yes. like two seconds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I got two, knocked out twice with Warrior, once with Haku. And uh, <laughs> back then it didn't matter. Okay, you okay? Get back in. Yeah, go back in. Right, the, the things have changed now. Is oh it's, yeah, it's, it definitely changed. And and I, I hate all this frivolous stuff that's going on. Like I don't even know. Well, you, I don't even know if I should even talk about it. The uh, lawsuits I, yeah, and stuff oh, yeah, like yeah, that. Lawsuits. Yeah. Can, you, can we talk about stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So this investigator calls me up. He goes, apparently you parted ways with WWE. He says, uh, would you like to join the class action lawsuit for concussions? And uh, because, you know, we're really going after him. I says, I, I will join the lawsuit, but it's going to be on Vince's side. Mm-hmm. Because your lawsuit is so frivolous, mm-hmm. it's stupidity. Mm-hmm. He goes, why would you say that? Because you're asking me to jo- join a lawsuit, and I've never asked me if I ever had a concussion. All right. I says, you're the dumbest man alive. Mm-hmm. I said, have your attorney call me. I'd love to tell him he's a dumbass, too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He goes, you should be bitter. I said, I don't have no bitterness in me. See, I, I don't have no bitterness in me. How can you be bitter? I agree. How can I be bitter at a 32-year career? I'm absolutely. A 30-year career with the WWE, which, like we said, that's, that's a record. You know, I couldn't live real hard. You look at my house now, Chris. You could tell this was an enhancement guy's house. You know it's just a beautiful mean? house. Honestly, very, very nice I place. Mean, I mean, this house is, this house is above average. Mm-hmm. 
And you haven't even seen a quarter of this house. I'm going to show you a little bit of it later. What's your, what's your, do you have a, a loyalty to Vince and a respect for Vince? I'll always respect Vince. Mm-hmm. I have a loyalty to Vince. Vince is a genius. I think, I think Vince is like, he's got a very similar personality to Donald Trump. I think, I think if Vince was running for president, it would be, <laughs> it would be very similar. You know, but I, 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 I just, I just, I can't, I can never say a bad word about him. Mm-hmm. I just can't do it. Did you have any uh, experiences with Trump after WrestleMania four and five, and he's kind of hung around a little bit? You ever? I told I told one of the wrestlers to get his fat ass in the room, and Trump said, "I like your style." <laughs> For what to do? An I, interview? I, I, yeah, to do an interview. <laughs> I said, "Get your fat ass in that room," and Trump heard it, and he goes, "I like your style." <laughs> and then uh, I took a I took a picture with Trump. He goes. You better take two. That's going to be the best picture you got. It's the blurriest picture I got upstairs. <laughs> Just out of coincidence, it came blurry. I mean, but I, I still liked him. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I like the guys with egos like that. But I think, I think uh, I'm voting for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm getting political. He's one of us, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, really I mean, is. come on. He had a hair match. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Tell me about some, some of the guys that you, out of the 32 years that you were in the WWE. Who were some of them? I mean, obviously, the, the greats. And obviously, you know. Oh, we, I, I wrestled the Crusher. I wrestled mm. Bruno Sammartino. Wow, how was that? How was Bruno? Bruno was good. Bruno was doing commentation. Now, if you, yeah. now, if you mention my name to Bruno, he's going to put me over like a million bucks. Mm. Vince goes, Bruno, I'd like to see you have one more match. He goes, Vince, uh, if you put me with Lombardi. He goes, Lombardi, and uh, he was David. His son was yeah. too. It was going to tag. It was me and Danny Davis uh, yeah. under the hood, Dr. X or whatever he was. And uh, I didn't know what to expect. I thought it was a kicker and a puncher. He was a high spot guy. Really? Yeah, tackle, drop down, duck him, duck my elbow. Do... Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, and he told me that uh, he requested me. Hmm. Well, the last time I seen him at the Hall of Fame, like two or three years ago, he, and he always tells me the same story over and over. <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if he's just getting dementia or he's just, uh, no, I'm, only, <laughs> I'm only teasing, Bruno, you're a great guy. <laughs> But that's what guy. I'm thinking about because, like, you, you hear about kind of the '60s, '70s style, yeah. and then the '80s, '90s style of today. I was wondering would would he be a high spot guy or would be more of no. like a chain wrestling? No, he was a, he was a high spot guy. Hmm. He was a high spot guy. A lot of people say, "Oh, he wasn't the best worker." I I enjoyed working with him. Hmm. I always emulated him. I, when, my, when we were young, me and my brother just, brother used to look at wrestling magazines and my friends. My brother liked Billy Graham. So he worked his biceps real hard. So he got these big <laughs> biceps. I always liked Bruno. So I always got the big chest. <laughs> right, right. It's kind of weird. You got a body more and like we're Bruno. Looking at the, we're looking at all these wrestling magazines in the, in the backyard of my mother's house in uh, Brooklyn. And I'm looking at all these. I see the Valiant Brothers. I see Chief J. Strong Boy. I see Billy Graham. And I, and I see all these people. I never realized I wrestled every single one of those people at the end of their career. Wow. Every one of them. Hmm. Every one of them. It's did you pretty much work? Like, like, did you work with Savage? Yeah. How was Randy? In Randy was good. Randy liked me because I bumped. I went, when we went outside and he gave me a shot, I took a nice stiff bump outside. And he told he told Lanny. Well, Lanny told me that Randy really liked me because mm. I wasn't I wasn't lazy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So one thing I can say, I wasn't lazy in the ring. You know was there I mean? any guys that were harder to work with? Uh, and not in a barrel sort of way. I'm like, like, there's some guys that just don't have chemistry with. Like some guys that don't. Yeah, like some of those bodybuilder guys that they bring in. I can't even remember his name. It was a short guy that was a bodybuilder, and no matter what you did with him, you told him to do a push off. It looks like a robot. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, some guys you just just will never get it. Mm-hmm. And some guys are just so fluid. You know? But that would be your job to go in there with all of them. Yeah. So right. I got to do muscle spots with him. Give me a push. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll hit the ropes. I'll hit you. I'll take the bump. 
You right, know what right, I mean? Right, it's, right. It's, I, I'm going to have to work around to make you look good because you can't work. Right. You know right, what I mean? Did you ever work with Dynamite Kid by chance? Oh, yeah. Tell me yeah, about that. I worked with Dynamite kind Kid. Kind of, no one really knows. I was green. I was green. And there's a real shitty match on YouTube with me and me and him, <laughs> which, 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 which I, when I look at it, I get embarrassed because I was doing like weak kickouts and all that. Mm. But I, it was at Poughkeepsie, New York. He came in. He goes, and, they, and I was on the list with him. And he goes, Are you baby face or heel? I go, Before I can say anything, he goes, it doesn't matter. You know? And Dynamite was just like, everything Dynamite did, the snap suplex, yeah. the headbutt off the top, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it. And then it would be him and Davey Boy, and then I would be in tags with them, and they would take care of me, and they would always beat up the other guy. Right. It was always like that, like the Steiners. They would be doing these big suplexes off the top to the other guys, and they would take care of me. Is that because they had respect for you? Yeah, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just glad. The yeah. only thing I hated was when, uh, when that, that finished from the uh, Road Warriors. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I hated that. Yeah, you know, so I was afraid. What if I got no control of my body? Animals throwing you up like this. You're flipping over. You don't know how you're gonna land. Yeah, that, that's a pretty reckless move. Like I would be scared to take that. You know, hesitant to take it. And I can do a backflip, but it's still it's very yeah, yeah. reckless. Like you right. said, you know. How about Al Perez? Remember him? I do remember him. He used to put you like in that razor, like the way uh, uh, razor's edge, razor's edge, and he's doing airplane spin. Oh yeah, and then he used to launch you. No way to land. And in, in those days, when you wrestle the guy, you're with him for like two or three weeks in a row. So I'm mm. taking this airplane spin every single night, and I'm going, oh, my God. And, and when you're in the air, you don't know where you are, where you're landing. You're just waiting for the hit. And that's the worst part, because when you take that hit, you could land on your hand. You could hit your head. Yeah, yeah. When you don't have control. I'm telling you, you know? people people will never know unless they were in the ring. Mm-hmm. They don't understand. Did you ever get any ear injuries? I don't remember. Oh, ever I seeing... dislocated my elbow. I snapped it completely backwards. <sighs> it only takes six pounds of pressure to pop out your elbow. Mm-hmm. So I was going to take Jim Powers. I rammed his head to the corner. And you know that spot where you do it twice? Then he puts his foot up and then he goes, mm-hmm. and then my, my arm went on the top rope. And then my weight came down and just popped out. And my hand flipped backwards completely. And my mom and my wife were in the first row. Mm. And I said, to Paul, I said to Paul Roman, I said, I'm hurt, I'm hurt. Let's go home. What does he do? He throws me and says, watch the elbow. <laughs> I mean, that's the difference between me and other people. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And then I've had uh, two surgeries uh, through my neck hmm. where they shave. Thank God to Kurt Angle. I was just with Kurt Angle like three or four days ago. He saved me. They want to do a laminectomy. Do you know what that is? No. They wanted to take all the bones out of the back of my neck like Arn had done mm-hmm. to, to compensate for the uh, the spine and release it because there's bone spurs crushing your mm. spine, which makes your arm go numb and all this. So I'm, I'm interviewing Kurt Angle in the pre-tape room, and I said, Kurt, they want to do a laminectomy on me. He goes, don't do it. Go to my doctor in Pittsburgh. He goes, I'm telling you, don't do it. Is that Dr. Joe? Dr. Joe. I went to Dr. Joe. Dr. Joe goes into my throat, and he, uh, he cuts, he just shaved the disc. Everything went away. And I went right home. Hmm. And he took a picture of me flexing, and he took his shirt off, and he got on the wall. Put two hours after surgery, <laughs> and I was in the gym two days later. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, man, Kurt saved me. I just told him the other day. Kurt looked great. He really that's, did. That's amazing, man. Because there was that the, 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 that rash of guys that had these horrible neck injuries, yeah. and they were doing all sorts of them. They go down yeah. to San Antonio and go here, and then Kurt found that guy and kind yeah. of saved the day. But now they're doing that operation everywhere. Mm-hmm, that's you what know, I mean. It's become yeah, a thing so, now. So yeah. Doctor Joe's like, oh, you know, can you send me some work? Can you send me some work? Yeah, because, yeah. You know, I can get it right down to, right down here in Michigan. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Minimally invasive neurosurgery. Right, right, it's right. Common now. So you're talking about you, you have your trophy room as, as we're winding down here, but you have your trophy room upstairs. You seem like a guy that likes taking pictures with certain people that show up because there's been a lot of oh, celebrities yeah. throughout oh, the years yeah. that have come to oh, WWE. Yeah. I've got, I got a lot. I, did, I didn't get some, but mm-hmm. I got a lot. I got about sixty. On Who are some of your favorites that you had? Oh, to get I, to meet. I got uh, Robert Plant. Oh yeah, I got at a wrestling show. Ozzy Osbourne, I, Robert Plant. We were wrestling in London. 
wanted to meet all of us and came came back in the dressing room. That's cool. And he uh, and I, I took a picture with him. That's pretty I cool. Him, I got Ozzy Osbourne. I got. Are you going to see it? You're, you're, yeah. you're not going to believe because Ozzy guested on Raw a couple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't do it then. I did it way back. I, it was in uh, Washington or something. I can't, mm. I can't remember the exact town or time, but it was him alone, and uh, I interviewed him. And I asked him about the bat's head and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and it was pretty cool. He's a cool guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a little bit of a work. He's a... You I know, think so. You know, Aren't we all? Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Aren't we all? We're all a work. Chris. Yeah. <laughs> we're, all, we're all a work. Yeah. We're all a work. What, uh, what's uh, some of your favorite matches that you ever had? Favorite match I ever had was probably Shawn Michaels and Madison Square Garden. Because mm-hmm. to me, that was like magic. I liked The Rocks because of what he became mm-hmm. and how well he did for his first match. I mean, you don't hit double leapfrogs and do all that on your first match. You know? Obviously a very athletic guy. Yeah, but you he know. never got it. At first they were rejecting him. Mm-hmm. Rocky sucks. Mm-hmm. Rocky sucks. And he would come back and he would take it personally. And, and, uh, and then he figured it out himself. And I know, you know what I, how we knew, I knew he figured it out? We were doing uh, the Nation of Domination. And he was in that. He was in that. So everybody was saying something. But when the mic got to him, he was saying it a little different with a different inflection, with a different attitude. Then I seen the little magic come there. But it's funny. He goes to the ring and he says, Yo, you know, all you people, you boo me. You know what I have to say? It doesn't matter what you people think. We love you, Rock. We love you. Mm-hmm. It's like we get, I get, he gets mad at them and they embrace him. You know what I mean? Then he had it. But that's how it goes, yeah. right? Once, once yeah. you go against the script, yeah. you know, if people are booing you, I think, for example, Roman Reigns, everyone booing him yeah. now. If he just went F off, they'd probably start cheering him the next day. Yeah, but they can't do that because everything's... Sure, of course, but that's, it, it, that's kind of how it works. Yeah, you know? that's how it used to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, I was going to say this earlier, too. When, you, when you, They would used to send prospects to you to do interviews with yeah. them. Uh, is that, these are people that aren't signed. Right. Would they just be kind of just saying, okay, Lombardi, see what these guys got or girls right. got? Yeah. Was yeah. there anybody in particular that stood out to you? That, that did when John Laurinaitis was in talent relations, I did a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Where he, would, uh, he would send people into me, and then I would give them a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And uh, I gave a lot of thumbs up, but I gave a lot of thumbs down, too. Mm-hmm. I would make him do a bio, tell me who you are, you know, tell me how old you are, what's your experience, what's this, what's that. Then I would give him a scenario. You're wrestling uh, Beth Phoenix tomorrow on Roar, and it's your debut. And then they're like, they don't know what to say. I said, mm-hmm. you know everything about her. She don't know nothing about you, okay? That's all I'm giving you. Yeah, yeah, You know what I mean? And you can tell just by the way they execute the interview. You know what I mean? I, I look at interviews as the inflection of the voice. I don't like monotone. I mean, you know all this. Mm-hmm. You got all this, Chris. Monotone. Like what if, I always say to them, if you smell what The Rock is cooking, it's different than... If you smell what the rock is cooking, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? You, you, you got to take it on a, that's what they don't get. These people don't get. It's not what you say. It's the way you say it. Mm-hmm. And I'm teaching some of the indie guys that, mm-hmm. you know, and the indie guys are like, oh, why don't you do seminars? Why don't you do seminars? So now the indie guys are going, if I book seminars at $50 a pop, can you do this? If I get 50 guys in a room, I said, go for it. Mm-hmm. Go for it. You know? But, but they, you're right. It, it's almost like a like a lie detector test where the line, like or an EKG, goes up, it goes down, it goes yeah, up, it goes yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to take people on that ride. If you're screaming all the time, people get lost. If you're right. monotone all the time, people get lost. Right. If you kind of combine the two, then they'll pay attention to what you're saying. Right. You know. Even you. Welcome to Raw is Jericho. Right. You're up and down with that. Mm-hmm. Just try going out there and saying, "Welcome to Raw is Jericho." Oh, wait, well, sure, sure, sure. You know, was, did you did you see a difference like you know over the course of time coming in in '83 or whatever it was, and now 2016 when writers started getting uh, 
introduced writing scripts for the guys. Some ways it's good, other ways it's not good. Yeah, because Roddy used to come up to me all the time. He used to go, if you got any pull, please tell him to let me wing it. I said, Roddy, I don't have any pull like that. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. I can't. I says, I wish I could because he was lost. Mm-hmm. He hated the scripts. All you had to do was tell Roddy, go in this direction, let mm-hmm. him go. And he could hit a home run every time. Right. But it's almost like Vince couldn't trust the guys anymore because some of them took, took privileges that they shouldn't have took. You know what I mean? I think so, you're right. And also, too, kind of forgetting the, the true pros, guys right. that can do that. Right. And maybe not having, like you said, having the, the trust that they're, they're going to stick to what they're given. Right. You know? it's, it's just like the teleprompter. Mm-hmm. I used to work with, with the teleprompter a lot. Some guys can read the prompter, some guys can't. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could tell they're reading. Yeah, yeah. You could even look at their eyes and see they're reading. <laughs> like Kurt Angle was great at the prompter. You couldn't tell. Some people are just great at prompter. Kurt was a guy, if you gave him a script, he would memorize it word for word and get it right. Right. Not, not, not any deviation from it. And it wouldn't sound like it was rehearsed. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Right, totally, totally. It's great, man. He still looks phenomenal. Yeah. Veins in his legs and all this. I was just with him, and I was with Cody, and I was with... Uh, I'm going to do a show with uh, Sandow, and I love to do, do, do you like going to different locker rooms every week, oh, basically? I love it. I love it because I see all these people, and you got freedom... You don't got you don't got people saying you got to do this 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 and this. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I haven't lost a match. They <laughs> I have not lost. I lo- no, I lost the king. I lost the king. <laughs> okay, well that's yeah, that's but, a given. But, but I, I got to use I use a gimmick and it's but they were cheering me. Mm-hmm. They were cheering mm-hmm. me. So, but King King, king was great. You know? Do you basically work as much as you want now? Oh uh, yeah, M- as much or as little as you want. Yeah, sometimes they call me up and I'm already booked at that date. I'm already mm-hmm. booked at this date. You know, like I'm going to Toronto on the 9th and I'm going to 17th to Joliet, uh, Illinois mm-hmm. for this wrestling blitz. And mm-hmm. I'm out. It's all over. It's crazy. It's crazy. I got on my uh, Twitter account now at Brawler Real. I got uh, uh, bookbrawler at Gmail. Dot, uh, at gmail.com mm-hmm. and they, they book they, they all send me these things well, how much would your price be how much would this how much would that <laughs> I always put call me <laughs> yeah you know yeah, what I mean because exactly. if you put the big price oh yeah that they, might they, they might they, go they, away they, but, but <laughs> if you talk to them in person <laughs> yeah. you normally get it you normally get it last but, last two questions yeah. for you uh, who's who do you think is your favorite performer that you've seen in the ring not necessarily that you've been in there with of all time if you had to pick one or two that have been through the doors in the WWE Oh my God, that's a, that's a really, a really. You mean technically or money drawing? No, that, well, there you go. You tell me. Give me, give me, give me examples of each. Money, money drawing. Uh, I would, I would, I would have to say Hogan because I say Austin made a lot more money than Hogan, mm-hmm. but it was a different era. Mm-hmm. But Hogan was over like a son of a gun. He was over like a son of a gun. I'm telling you, nobody will never, never know. That feeling to be in the ring and hear that cheer. I knew it because I was Kim Chi, and he's in the ring. So we go out first, and then when he comes out, it erupted. <laughs> it erupted. And then uh, technically, uh, another guy had his first match with Ricky Steamboat. Really? This, this is what happened. I was getting squashed. No, but they wouldn't give me nothing. They wouldn't give me nothing. They wouldn't give me nothing. Ricky Steamboat comes in. Ricky Steamboat gives me a competitive match. Starts selling for me. Starts so like like you know like I was experienced, but I was experienced by then. So then I, I remember I, uh, I come back to the dressing room and Tito comes up to me and goes, "How did it feel?" <laughs> I'm like, "How did it feel?" <laughs> then after after Ricky Steamboat did that, all the boys started giving me more. Wow, you know what I mean? He he broke a barrier. We talk about that too every time we, when I see him. I don't see him much no more. Mm-hmm. But he broke that barrier because he he had the mentality which I agree with. Who you beating? 
Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're beating you know that. somebody. You know that. Mm-hmm. That's why you're successful. Yeah. But a lot of guys think if you don't sell and you, and you beat the hell out of the guy and you leave him laying, you're beating a dish rag. Yeah, it doesn't you know matter. I, yeah, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. I'm going to write a book. I got I, I to gotta write a book, Chris. I got to write a book because I, I got so many stories that, that I still have to tell. Yeah, I some, still, tell. I, some you can, some you can't. Yeah, well, you can in the book, right? Yeah, sure, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. Is there anything that you miss about the WWE? Yeah, well, no, not, I, don't know. I don't miss the travel. Mm-hmm. And I don't miss some people that I won't mention. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm grateful for everything I got out of the WWE. Mm-hmm. And I have zero bitterness. Mm-hmm. And I will never say a bad word about the company. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I couldn't do it. Because everybody thinks, everybody thinks once, you know how many people think I'm going to do a shoot interview oh. and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take that money. I'm going to double cross them. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't knock anybody. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I chose it. I could have just, I could have just said, no, I'm not doing it no more. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I chose it. Why would I, how can you knock somebody that you were with for 32 years? Absolutely. With so many great experiences. Yeah. You know, and having such a, a great name through the business, people respect all that you've done. So I love it. I love that though. Double cross them. Yeah. <laughs> that's true, veteran. I mean, that's what you do, right? I mean, because it goes, all they want to do is they offer me all this big money. If I knock them, it's even better. Yeah. I went on the show the other day. The guy goes, We make all these DVDs, you know, they're all shoot interviews. This and that. I said, No, mine's just going to be like a Disney, a Disney <laughs> yeah, right, thing. You know right, what right, I mean? Right. It's going to be great. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Steve. It's very yeah, cool. I appreciate it, to you, man. man. Thanks for having me on Thanks here. And uh, I'm glad I helped you beat Triple H. Oh, I'll never forget that. It's on the network. (laughs) The Brooklyn Brawler is still working hard. And if you're interested in booking him, it's very easy. Reach him at bookbrawler at gmail.com or hit him up on the Twitter at Brawler Real. What great stories he had. And he has worked with everyone. So thanks to Steve Lombardi, the Brooklyn Brawler, for sharing some of those great tales today. And best of luck to him uh, in his future great great guy and uh 33 years in the WWE it's got to be some kind of record so thanks to steve and while i'm saying thank you let me say thanks to og sponsor amazon they've been supporting talk is jericho since podcast number one and thanks to you people for helping me out by doing all your online shopping using my amazon links you can find them at podcast one.com click on the killer deals button in the top right corner of the page then hit the talk is jericho button i got amazon links for the usa uk and canada a every time you use the talk is jericho amazon links amazon kicks back a small percentage to help cover production costs you can buy anything you think of on amazon Uh, remember that there's no extra fees no hidden charges take a picture of what you bought uh put it up on the twitter at talk is jericho i will retweet it and follow you that's a pretty damn good deal all right so don't forget you go to uh killer deals button hit the talk is jericho button you find all my great sponsors on there as well ddpyoga.com slash jericho you get 5 10 15 20 percent off the ddpyoga program plus three months full access to the ddpyoga now app then there's DraftKings. use my promo code y2j to play for free with no deposit this weekend draftkings.com simply safe go to simply get free shipping and a free keychain remote protect your house uh, that's worth a lot of cash that's worth a uh, peace of mind as well and big thanks for checking out the jericho network at podcast when we're doing our best to keep you entertained keep it on 100 with conan just passed over a million downloads thanks to you guys if you haven't caught on to that show yet go check it out it is hilarious and then team tiger awesome also also building a great fan base releasing hilarious episodes every sunday you got to check out the creator wrestler from last week with me your special guest was chris jericho we created our own wrestlers timmy the carpenter big guy tiny man uh, uh downtown <laughs> 
Dawson. I can't remember. You got to listen to this stuff. It's ridiculous. Listen to me create my uh, ultimate wrestler. And remember, subscribe to the Jericho Network of Podcasts at iTunes. Leave everyone five-star ratings and reviews. You won't be disappointed. And remember, only 167 days until the biggest podcast ever. Mick Foley makes his talk as Jericho debut. And remember, this Monday on Raw, it's Jericho and Owens versus Ashton Kushner and Danny Masterson from uh, that 70s show and now the ranch. It's going to be uh, it's going to be huge. What a battle. What a war. So uh, we'll see you then. Keep listening right now for the 60-second AP News headlines coming up next. And next Wednesday right here on Talk is Jericho. We've got, uh, well, it's a legendary, legendary guitar player, Jimi Hendrix possibly the greatest guitar player of all time. We're going to do a tribute to Jimi Hendrix with his brother, his legit brother, Leon Hendrix, telling us all the stories about Jimi Hendrix growing up, Jimi Hendrix in the, in, in, back in the day in the 60s before he passed away at the young age of 27. Jimi Hendrix is a god, and we're attributing him uh, right here on Talk is Jericho with his brother, Leon Hendrix, this Wednesday. Don't you dare miss it. Stay hard, stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs, and wow-na-wow-wow, yeah, haze, yeah, yeah, boy. oh yeah, boy. You can download new episodes of Talk Is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. 